everything, everything, everything gonna be all right this morning. Live from the Delta Media Studios in Upper Lafayette, here is the producer extraordinaire, Hannah Five Names, and your big, bald, beautiful host, Raymond Parts III, better known as RP3. Boston bounces back in a big way with Marcus Smart and Al Horford back in tow as the Celtics even up the Eastern Conference Finals one game apiece. PGA Championship, first round in the books. Roy McIlroy on top with a five under par performance. Tiger Woods, four over par, dealing with leg pain. John Daly, an epic performance by the former PGA champ who shot two over, but kind of stole the day with his exploits on the golf course. LSU, big winner, has a big second inning, crushes the faces of the Commodores in their final regular season series. UL gets shut out at home by one of the worst teams in the Sunbelt Conference. Woof. And the McNeese baseball team begins their quest for a Southland Conference tournament title with a win over Incarnate Word as well. Oh, and by the way, today, NCAA regionals in softball begin. Good morning. Welcome to RP3 and Company. I'm your host, the big, bald, and beautiful one, Raymond Parsa Third. I'm joined inside the game studios by the producer extraordinaire, Hannah Five Names. Whew. We got a lot to get to today. A lot happened yesterday and last night. We got a lot to preview for the weekend, including the Preakness Stakes, which is tomorrow. Whew. And Houston Astros. James Yasko, our friend from the Lima Time Time podcast, will join us at straight up 7 o'clock an hour from right now to recap last night's win for the Strohs. And look ahead to this weekend series. Then at 8.15, Nick Fondo will join us for cashing tickets. little USFL betting action. Some NBA playoffs. And of course, the Preakness. And then we'll get a preview of the Preakness stakes from our buddy from the Fairgrounds podcast. Chad Schneckschneider will join us to help preview that. That'll be at 8.30. So, we only got three guests today. Of course, we'll take your phone calls. Game hotline is open, 337-706-0111. That's 337-706-0111. And we'll get to all of that. But let's start off with the conversation that dominated yesterday. Jimbo Fisher versus Nick Saban. I'm just going to briefly touch on this, and then we're going to move on. It's completely asinine that this is is going on, that this is even a conversation. Saban's gotten to the point in his career that he is the cranky old man, get off my lawn. I don't care what I say. If I say inappropriate things in public, I don't care. I've lived long enough, and I've done enough where I just don't care. And that's where Nick's at. 
at the symposium thing where he made the comments that Texas A&M bought their players. Was that a shot at Jimbo Fisher? You betcha. But more importantly, it was also a shot to all the boosters at the University of Alabama. Saban says there's always a reason behind what Nick says. Always has been, always will. Was he taking a shot at Jimbo? Sure was. Is he a little salty about losing to Jimbo? Sure is. But more importantly, it was a warning sign to all Alabama football boosters. If you want to keep things rolling, if you want to be a a team that's always in the mix for the college football playoff and national titles, then you better pony up the dough because we got programs like Texas A&M giving NIL deals to every single player in a recruiting class. That's what that's about. There you go. And of course, Jimbo took it the way he did. And of course, Jimbo wants to take the high ground, the moral high ground, which is hilarious because he's Jimbo Fisher. Like, he's Jimbo Fisher. He's the man that buried the Florida State program. He's the man that had one of the worst APR ratings in the country and did so on purpose. He had players punching women in their faces in restaurants and had an outlaw program that was only overshadowed by what Urban Meyer was doing at the University of Florida. Big-time coaches at big-time programs have skeletons in their closet. Pete Carroll back in the day at USC, Saban at Alabama, named the LSU coach, Jimbo at Florida State or A&M, Herb at Florida, Ohio. It does not matter. And... It's funny to me that it takes Nick Saban to make Jimbo Fisher look to be the good guy. That's just hilarious to me. Nick is not a likable guy for a lot of different reasons. He speaks his mind. He is demonstrative. He treats his assistants like they're dogs. He's a yeller. He's a screamer, and he wins all the time. I get it. But make no bones about it here. If your takeaway from this Saban-Fisher beef is that Jimbo is the hero, you're not paying attention to college football. Jimbo's the same guy that manipulated LSU not once but twice to get a better deal elsewhere. Jimbo's the same guy that let Florida State be ran like an outlaw program and turned the cheek just like Herb did at Florida, with behavior that is irrehensible from his players. This is the same guy that had 14 violations by the NCAA at Florida State. This is the same guy that's already had violations at Texas A&M. He's getting paid. He's one of the highest paid coaches in America. Jimbo knows the score. Jimbo knows when he took the job at Texas A&M that he was going to have, they were going to have to figure out a way to turn that program around. If you want to compete on the level with Alabama and Georgia and Ohio State and the rest of them, 
you're going to have to get the recruits. And in this day and age, just like it's always been, by the way, you pay for recruits. You pay for recruits. Saban can be holier than now and say, well, we don't pay for players. Well, he may not be paying for players, but I can guarantee you somebody's paying for players. Bryce Young had a $1 million NIL deal before he even threw a pass at Alabama. And before then, other Alabama players have been taken care of. Just like they were in the 50s, 60s, 70s, 80s, 90s, and early 2000s. Just like players have been taken care of at every major college program. I don't care who the coach was. I don't care what the error was. I don't care what region of the country they were. Every program does this. So Saban can't get on his perch and be holier than now about this. He just can't. It's a bad look. It's a bad look. But he doesn't care, so he's going to just do whatever he wants to do. But I'm telling you, that's a warning shot to the Alabama boosters. The arms race is on, boys. Empty out your pockets if you still want to be competitive. And Jimbo, Jimbo's the same cat that had his nephew put his hands on an LSU assistant coach after that bonkers bazillion overtime game. That was Jimbo's nephew. And then they celebrated beating LSU that way by getting rings made. Come on now. There's no hero in this piece. It's villain versus villain. And that's what I'm going to say about it. Will SEC Media Day be amazing? Yeah. When Greg Sankey has to come out and punish both of the coaches the day after? Hilarious. Will that A&M at Alabama game on the schedule probably now be flexed into a primetime affair? Yep. Just saying. Will this get AM boosters fired up to spend even more money for Jimbo Fisher in the football program? Yes. Will this get Alabama boosters even more fired up and spend money on their program to get players with NIL deals? Yes. Is Lane Kiffin just sitting in Oxford laughing? Yep. Jimbo in the Nictator. What nonsense. Just goes to show you how powerful college football is, that that's the dominating news story of the day. Not the PGA Championship, not college baseball, not MLB, not the NBA Conference Finals, not the NHL playoffs. No, no. College football out of the SEC. Had a buddy of mine from Illinois, my best friend, one of my best friends, Text me and goes, this is great. You guys in the South, just just take it to another level. I go, yeah, it's slightly embarrassing, but thank you. SEC, hashtag, it just means more. Ridiculous. Ridiculous. Grown men. Multi-millionaires, by the way. Beefing in public. Over, over players that are being paid now out in the open is 
It's a beautiful time to be alive. I'll leave it that, at that. A beautiful time to be alive. NBA playoffs were in full effect last night because there was actually games that were played and not nonsense between 60-year-old coaches who get paid a lot of money to win games. Association Eastern Conference Finals. Boston got punked in game one by the Miami Heat. Jimmy Butler went off for 41 points. They needed to bounce back in a big way. They get Marcus Smart back, and they got Al Horford back, which was a surprise. We heard about Marcus Smart yesterday coming back. Surprised by Al Horford, and they made a big contribution. 127-102 to victory for Boston over Miami. They split the first two games down in South Beach. Jason Tatum led the way with 27 points. But Smart and company also contributed in a big way. Marcus had 24. Jalen Brown had 24. Al Horford even chipped in 10 points. As they established themselves right off the bat, 35-24 to after the first quarter, and they just maintained their lead the rest of the way. Miami played better in the second half. It was even score-wise in the third and the fourth, but they had dug themselves too much of a hole to be able to come back. Jimmy Butler had 29 points, but he didn't go off for 41. And we talked about this on the show. Is Jimmy going to have to go over like 40 points a game to carry Miami? Because who else is there to help out? Vincent had 14 points. Tyler Hero had 11. Oladipo had 14, but it wasn't enough be interesting to see if they can get Kyle Lowry back and how much of a difference that's going to make in this series. Because now this series is tied one game apiece. It now shifts over to Boston for the next few games. Game three will be Saturday night. Game two of the Western Conference Finals will be tonight. The Dubs came out, established their dominance against the Mavericks in game one. Didn't have a great shooting night. And this is not a great shooting Golden State team, even though they have the Splash Brothers. They're just not. Offensively, they're a little sloppy. They're a little sloppy. They're a little sloppy with their turnovers, and they're not the Golden State team that took over the NBA. But they're still Steph, Clay, Draymond. And Dallas find itself, finds itself once again in a position of, hey, it's early in a series and we're down because that's what they did the first two playoff series, that they came back and won. So Dallas has proven that they can come back and win, but they haven't faced a team with the experience quite like Golden State. Phoenix had the experience last year playing in the finals and having a veteran future Hall of Fame point guard in Chris Paul. That's true, but Golden State's won multiple championships. They've been here. They've done this. They know how to you know, save themselves, so to speak. They know what they're doing. They're the wily old vets of the NBA playoffs. So we'll see what happens tonight in game two of the Western Conference Finals. Can Luka finally, you know, can Luka rise to the occasion? Can he get some help from Brunson? Can they even up this series before it heads back to Dallas? We'll find out. 
we got to take a timeout. Good start to today's show. Like I said, hotlines open 337-706-0111. That's 337-706-0111. Houston Astros got back on their winning ways last night. We'll talk about that. It's coming up next right here. On the game, 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. Soccer? Isn't this great, man? I love soccer. Here we go, Galaxy. Here we go. Okay, maybe not soccer, but we'll try to do our best. Back to more knowledgeable sports talk with RP3 and company on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's Sports Station. Want to see the Astros in person? Then listen up. The game, 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles wants to hook you up with our latest Astros weekend getaway. Houston takes on the Chicago White Sox on Saturday, June 18th, and you can be there. That's right. The Southsiders come to town. Register in the game clubhouse at 1037thegame.com or 1041thegame.com to score yourself four tickets a tour of Minute Maid Ballpark, and hotel accommodations that Saturday night. Look, we know gas prices are high. Going to have to pinch your pennies these days. That's why we want to help you out. We're going to help you out by hooking you up with four tickets. Tour of the ballpark and a hotel night room and a hotel accommodation. You get to decide who gets to come with you and who gets to pay for the gas. We're going to hook you up with everything else. But we can't do that unless you become a member of our clubhouse at 1037thegame.com or 1041thegame.com. Once again, you can score four tickets, a tour of Minute Maid Ballpark, and hotel accommodations that Saturday night. Astro Weekend Getaways are powered by Butcher AC, Le Meridian Houston Downtown, and The Game, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. Speaking of those Houston Astros, they got back on track last night with a 5-1 victory. Back at home at Minute Maid Ballpark, Welcoming in the Tejas Rangers. And after losing two of three to Boston, they have to turn right back around, travel, come home, and take on the Rangers. And Texas jumps out to an early one nothing lead. But Framer Valdez settled down after that. Pitched very well for the Strohs. And Houston's bats came alive. Played two runs in the first and then added three more in the eighth for the 5-1 victory. Altuve had himself a heck of a night going four for five with one run scored. Diaz got two hits in this ball game. The man called Candy by Kevin Foote, Martin Maldonado, who does not hit, is not a good hitter. He's a great defensive catcher. He even got himself a deep double that brought in a run. And they got a solid performance, good performance, by Framer Valdez, who goes a full seven innings, only gives up the one run that he did there in the first, scatters six hits over seven innings, striking out seven as well. So a nice bounce-back performance for Framer, who did not look all that good his last time out. And the Strohs... Get back on track. This will be a four-game series. And this will last all weekend long. So game two of the series tonight, game three of the series, 
Saturday game four on Sunday. You can listen to tonight's game and Saturday's game over on our sister station, News Talk 98.5 FM, the talk of Acadiana. Sunday's game will be broadcast right here on the game. So we got you covered for Houston Astros baseball this weekend. Let's talk a little golf. PGA Championship, after the reshuffling of the major schedule a few years back, it's now number two on the pecking order. Or in a row. Masters is first. Now it's the PGA Championship. Then it becomes the U.S. Open. Then the Open Championship. Or what some of us call the British Open. And John Daly, we talked about it briefly yesterday on the show before we signed off. John Daly was an early leader in the clubhouse yesterday. John Daly. The man, the myth. Well, he's his own thing. John has to have a cart to even play in the tournament. He gets to play in the PGA Championship because he's a former PGA champion winner. So, he gets the exception because he's no longer even really battling all that much on tour anymore. The man's in his 50s. And has not really been a competitive golfer for quite a long time. But there he is, two under par. Now, he ends up finishing the day two over par. He's in danger of missing the cut. But he kind of stole the show yesterday. He kind of stole the show. In particular, for what he was doing on the golf course. John likes to have a good time. John is notorious for having a good time on and off the course. Our guy has some demons. If you follow golf at all, you know John Daly has demons. And he's tried to battle through them. He takes to the course yesterday, rocking a beard that makes him look like Santa. One. Two. Apparently a reporter followed him throughout his first round, and John put away 21 cigarettes through 18 holes of golf. My man went through 21 burners through one round of golf. All the while, while in a cart, all the while not drinking any water. He just drank and pounded Diet Cokes the entire round and just snack on apparently anywhere between six to eight bags of peanut M&Ms. Amazing. Amazing. And people were worried that there wasn't going to be things to talk about about the PGA Championship. No Phil Mickelson. He's your defending champion. He has now been shamed into... Saudi Arabia, apparently. Never to be seen from again. So lefty's not in the... Lefty and all his gambling habits, they're, they're not in the PGA Championship. Tiger is a hobbled version of himself. He shot four over par yesterday, by the way. Paired up in that great group with Rory McIlroy and others. Rory is your leader in the clubhouse. Five under par... 65 there on there at the PGA Championship in Tulsa, Oklahoma at Southern Hills Country Club. 
Tiger looks like he's probably going to miss the cut. He's got leg problems. So no Phil. Tiger struggling. Probably not going to make the cut. I like Jordan Spieth. He's a great young golfer. I love Roy McIlroy. He's a great young golfer. I love the game of golf. Do they move the needle for you? Do you get excited? No, no. See, the the three guys that you probably get, get excited about, and Bryson DeChambeau is not there because he's still recovering from wrist surgery. So he had a practice round the other day and had to pull out of the tournament. So you don't even have Brooks Kepka, Bryson DeChambeau beef to go over. There's no, you know, Tiger's probably going to miss the cut. There's no fill. You need someone like John Daly. The other guys are great golfers. Look, Phil is not the type of golfer he used to be. He's on the back end of his career. Tiger's on the back end of his career. John Daly's been on the back end of his career for 20 years. But they're entertaining. Jordan Spieth, entertaining? If you love the game of golf, he is. If you're just a passerby, the antics of John Daly probably appeals to you more than the fact that Justin Thomas is lurking there on the leaderboard with Matt Kuchar at three under. Look, I watch all the majors. I watch a lot of golf tournaments, period. I love the game. I play it. I'm terrible at it. That led us to a question, a thought I had of who would you rather play a round with? Who would you rather play a round of golf with? And that's our poll question of the day in honor of the PGA Championship. Would you rather play a round with Tiger Woods? He's the biggest star of all time in the game of golf. But are you going to be able to do anything with Tiger? Like, this isn't like 15 years ago partying Tiger. Plus, isn't Tiger a little dull? I don't know. Would you rather play around with Tiger Woods? Would you rather play around with Phil Mickelson? Phil may be a little bit friendlier than Tiger, but he may get distracted with all the betting that he's doing. That could be interesting. Or would you rather play around with Long John Daly? We want to hear from you. It's a poll question of the day. Who would you rather play a round of golf with? All three of them are characters in their own right. All three of them you would have an interesting round to talk about for sure. But we want to hear from you. And by the way, this is not a type of hypothetical poll question where you get to pick if you get to play with them in their prime. No, no. Right now. Would you rather play a round of golf with Hobbled on one leg, Tiger Woods. Banished from the PGA, Phil Mickelson, debating whether or not to go to Saudi Arabia to play golf. Or John Daly going through 21 burners and eight Diet Cokes on a golf cart. Right now, today, May 20th at 635, we want to know who you would rather play a round of golf with. And I want you to be honest. I want you to be honest. There'll be no judgment here. I'm really hoping people pick John Daly. <laughs> That's what I'm trying to get to. I'm really hoping some of you pick John Daly this morning. 
Once again, PGA Championship, Rory McIlroy is your leader entering into today's second round. He's at five under par. A group is behind him, two guys behind him at four under par. Justin Thomas, Matt Kuchar are a group that's at three under. Tiger Woods shot four over in round number one in danger of missing the cut. We will update you with scores once the golfers get on the course there at Southern Hills Country Club in Tulsa. Got to take a timeout. When we return, busy night on the diamond for college baseball, for our college baseball teams. LSU, great start to the weekend series. McNeese, great start to Southland Conference play. The uh, Louisiana Raging Cajuns, not so much for their final weekend series. We'll get to it all. That's coming up next right here on The Game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. You're listening to The Game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Your home for the LSU Tigers in Southwest Louisiana. Uh, the game, 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles wants to hook you up with tickets to a special sneak peek of Top Gun Maverick. That's right. You can see it before anyone else by simply texting Top Gun to 68683. That's Top Gun to 68683 to score a pair of tickets for a special sneak peek to see the highly anticipated summer blockbuster. We're going to do that May 26th. At the Celebrity Theater in Broussard. I do believe, hold on, let me check my calendar. That's going to be next week. Next week, sneak peek, Top Gun Maverick. You want to be there? You want to be able to see it before anyone else? What? You got to text Top Gun to 68683. That's Top Gun to 68683 to score a pair of tickets for a special sneak peek. May 26th at the Celebrity Theater in Broussard. Top Gun sneak peek preview is brought to you by Big Boy Toys and Hobbies and the game Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. All right, let's talk about what happened on the diamond yesterday. And yesterday evening, rather. The LSU Tigers. They needed to win in the worst possible way. They just did. They got swept at home by Ole Miss for the first time ever in program history. Which, as you can imagine, not optimal. Vandy is ranked. Vandy is vying for a national seed to host one of those NCAA regionals. And they're always tough at home. Always tough at home, right? LSU said, we don't care. It went right in there and said, I don't care. They put on a clinic. Dylan Cruz is special. Kid is special. He's like an All-American. That's what he is. Special. And they go in there and they crush the faces of Andy 13-2. I'll say it again for those in the back. 13-2 was the final score from Nashville. As LSU just pounced Vanderbilt. It was a bit of a stunner there. Dylan Cruz drove in four runs on the day. 
Second baseman Kay Doty hit not one but two homers there at Hawkins Field. They hit five home runs total in the ballgame. They just teed off on poor Vandy pitching. Their season total now is 100, by the way. That's right, LSU has hit 100 home runs on the season. They did improve to 35 and 18 overall, but more importantly, they got to 15 wins. They're 15 and 13 now in the SEC. Vanderbilt dropped to 14 and 14 in conference play. Now, they'll play again tonight at 6 o'clock. You can listen to that game live right here on the game. 6 o'clock, first pitch for LSU Vandy. I mean, Cruz was 4 for 4 at the plate. Guy is special. And not because he has a tremendous mustache. No, no, no. It's because of what he can do. Hilliard was also very good last night. He improves the 6-1 and one on the season. The Tigers ace. He worked five and a third, limited Vandy to only two runs, one earned, and scattered eight hits while having four punch outs. Vandy starting pitching pitcher, Devin Futrell, who is one of their aces. Man, oh, he allowed five runs on five hits and only got through an inning and a third. LSU ran him out the game, get off the mound, go have a seat. Impressive performance. Does LSU need to win this series and then still make a run in Hoover to be able to host an NCAA regional? Yep. That hasn't changed. But this is a great start to the final weekend series of the regular season. This is what you thought you'd see last weekend against Ole Miss. You didn't see it. I mean, what, they scored five runs in all three games against Ole Miss, and they scored like five runs in an inning last night. So the bats woke up. Can they win the series now and silence the Vandy Whistler? Possibly. And here's the thing. Vandy was vying to try to host a regional. If LSU wins this series and then makes a run, are they going to take Vandy's spot and be able to get themselves back up to host a regional? We've talked about it over and over again. The NCAA would love to have a Baton Rouge regional. They would love to see that because they know it's going to be box office. So we'll see. We'll see if LSU has enough pitching now that Hilliard is done for the weekend to get through and win this series against the Commodores. Once again, game two of this series tonight, 6 o'clock. You can listen to it live right here on the game. The UL Raging Cajuns, though, not a good night. Little Rock is one of the worst teams in the Sunbelt Conference. This is the final regular season series of the year. You need to win this series. You need to build up some momentum so you can make a run in the Sunbelt Conference Tournament. Now, they only need one win to essentially lock up the four seed. They're pretty much firmly locked in for the conference tournament as the four seed. They just need to win a game. You thought it would have been last night. That way, Matt Deggs could have played around with the rest of his lineup, get guys some playing time, and maybe get everything set, the rotation set, and everything set for the conference tournament next week in Montgomery. Little Rock had other plans. 
They came into Russo, to the Teague, and shut out the Raging Cajuns. Woof. That was a woof-tastic performance last night at home in front of the home fans for the Raging Cajuns. Kendall Talley pitched four innings. Now, was that the original plan, or did Matt Deggs make adjustments based on what was happening in the game? And this is what the skipper had to say afterwards. Yeah, I think we held him to maybe 40 pitches, and he had good stuff. He was up to 93 tonight. It's probably the first time I've seen that out of him. You know, and then they, they executed a couple of bonds. I felt like we might have been able to blow the guy up at second on one of them, and it ultimately scored. We missed a spot. But like I said, things get magnified. I think we're going to take two any day of the week, and, uh, you know, you're, you're banking on us scoring some runs. But, hey, he executed as a good night to pitch here. Uh, everything that went in the air is going to die. We had, what, two or three balls caught on the warning track in center field. That's baseball. That's baseball. Anything can happen. But how, how do you lose to one of the worst teams in the Sunbelt Conference? And now your back's against the wall. I just... This team feels like it's... it's I don't know. I, I was feeling good. I was feeling better about this Raging Cajuns baseball team. And then the last couple of weeks, just, eh. Like, did, did they lose their mojo in San Marcos? Did they? I don't know. Sure does feel that way. Sure does feel that way. Deggs was asked directly, uh, what's going to change for today's game? Nothing. Just get a good night's rest and come out swinging about tomorrow. It's not like we're standing there taking pitches. Uh, we're swinging. And swinging bats are dangerous, so title turn more. So he's talking about the the conditions, right? The conditions at the park last night. The ball just died. It was favorable to strong pitching, and that happens sometimes. And look, this is a hitting ball club, without a doubt. This is what they're best at. But now you have like. You have to win a game to get the four seed. So there's no room for error here. So we'll see if the Raging Cajuns can get back on track. Six o'clock tonight, first pitch from the Teague. Our guy, Matt Miguez, of course, will be there covering. You can catch his recap at 1037thegame.com and 1041thegame.com. He'll also have a video recap up on all the social media platforms. The Menees Cowboys, meanwhile, opened up Southland Conference play, and they did so with a win. Had a little bit of a battle on their hands early on against eight-seed Incarnate Word, but the Cowpokes got the job done. 12-6 victory over Incarnate Word. With the win, Cowboys skipper Justin Hill has now tied the late, great Tony Robichaux for most wins in program history. He'll have a chance to break that record tonight when Minise takes on Nichols in the second round of the conference tournament. First pitch is set for 6 o'clock. Yours truly will be in attendance for that. Justin Hill had this to say about tying the record set by the great Tony Robeshow. 
and I could not care about records in the same way that he did, I would have done a good job. It hadn't set in yet. I knew it was attainable, but what a man to be associated. I'm very grateful to him and his family, the sacrifices they made to give me a chance to be the baseball coach. It's a great honor to be mentioned right alongside. So he's trying to stay focused on his team, which he's supposed to do, and that's exactly what Tony would have done. Exactly what Tony would have done. But you can tell, you hear it in his voice, just the fact that he's being mentioned along with Tony means a whole lot to Justin Hill. You can tell. And here in Acadiana, for all of you listening that love the Raging Cajuns, look, Tony meant a ton to you. But Tony meant a ton to the folks over in Lake Charles as well. That's where Tony played his college ball. That's where he began coaching. That's where he was a head coach first. The man from Crowley, Louisiana, meant a lot to all of Southwest Louisiana. Make no bones about it. As for the Cowboys themselves, it wasn't the cleanest game. It wasn't the prettiest game. But you know what? They got the job done, and that's all that matters to Hill. You know, it was just good to get out to a good start. Grant Rodgers gave us, a, gave us a good start. It wasn't perfect. It wasn't any of those kind of things. You know, we hoped to try to get him out of the seventh with the, with the bigger lead. Didn't work out. It was a little ugly. We had to use too many guys. It's it, tournament. Everybody's bleeding. You know what I'm saying? There's, there's nobody that's going to come out of here, you know, clean. You know, and that's just kind of how it is. You do what you got to do, uh, and you find a way to, to, to advance the next day. So um, we'll enjoy this one. We'll wake up refreshed and uh, try to go win the 1-0 game tomorrow. Once again, McNeese will take on Nichols in the second round. Six o'clock, first pitch from the Joe. And you'll check out my story at 1037thegame.com or 1041thegame.com. I'll also have one of those fancy video recaps. I got myself a haircut and shaved so I could look fresh to death, as they like to say. Does someone? Do people still say They don't. They don't say that anymore. Is Jim Tan laundry still a thing? No, I'm being told it's not. <laughs> we got to take a time out. When we return, we will update the poll question of the day. Who do you who would you rather play a round of golf with? Right now. As of today. Hobble Tiger Woods banish to foreign lands Phil Mickelson or I smoke 21 cigarettes during a round of golf John Daly. I'm really hoping it's John Daly. I'm really hoping it's John Daly. (laughs) That'll be coming up next right here. On the game, 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. Poll question of the day. Who would you rather play a round of golf with? John Daly briefly led the PGA Championship yesterday at two under par. Finished the round two over. And he was majestic in his golf cart with his Santa Claus beard, smoking 21 heaters, drinking eight Diet Cokes, and eating apparently six bags of peanut M&Ms and drinking not an ounce of water. Legend. Tiger hobbled, having leg issues. He shot four over. And Phil Mickelson, your defending champ, he's not even in it because he's been banished. Not allowed. Go away, lefty. That led us to our poll question. Who would you rather play a round of golf with? And you have not disappointed me. My heart is filled with joy right now. 
56% of you say John Daly. 33% say Tiger Woods. 11% of you say Phil Mickelson. JPK the OD says John Daly. Even if the golf sucks, you know it will be a party. My man, legend. Texan in Acadiana, Tiger Woods daily would get 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 trash to finish, get too trash to finish, and Phil seems like he'd be no fun. Steve says, "Can I compete? Can I, can I complete the foursome? If so, I want to be in the cart with Daly." Yes, salty Steve, you're part of the foursome. John Paul, Cajun Daddy says, "Think Daly would be fun just to hang with, and he'd have some great stories too. Right? He he would be open and honest about his stories. That's what would make it more fun for me." Keep those votes coming. Keep those comments coming as well on our poll question of the day. Hour number one in the books. Hour number two. We'll kick it off with James Yasko talking all things Strohs. That's next right here on The Game, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. Live from the Delta Media Studios in Upper Lafayette, here is the producer extraordinaire, Hannah Five Names, and your big, bald, beautiful host, Raymond Parts III, better known as RP3. Welcome back to RP3 and Company 704 on this Friday morning. Lovely morning it is. We covered a lot of ground in hour number one. Astros bouncing back with a big win. LSU crushing the faces of Vanderbilt. UL getting shut out by one of the worst teams in the Sun Belt, Little Rock. McNeese beginning Southland Conference tournament play with a win. NBA playoffs. Eastern Conference Finals now knotted up one game apiece. Oh, and we talked about the PGA Championship. Rory McIlroy is your leader at five under in the clubhouse. Matt Kuchar, Justin Thomas right there tied at four. Only three under par. Tiger Woods, though, had himself a day. Four over, got leg problems. Phil Mickelson got gambling problems. He's not even in the PGA Championship, and he's your defending champ. John Daly, though, is in the field. That big, bearded, beautiful man is in the field at the PGA Championship. Documented yesterday as if it was, I don't know, like you're watching wildlife. You're watching one of those nature shows. You're like, how's this going to end? Someone documented how Daly performed on the course yesterday. He was your leader briefly at two under. He ended up shooting two over for the day. But John Daly, it was documented, smoked 21 cigarettes during the round, drank eight Diet Cokes, six bags of peanut M&Ms, and didn't drink a single drop of water all day. All day. Legend. That led us to our poll question of the day. Who would you rather play a round of golf with? Tiger Woods. You know Tiger's going to be all buttoned up. It's going to be all business with him. Yeah, you can pick his brain. But are you going to have joy? You're going to have an awkward selfie with him? Sure. You could play a round of golf with him. You could maybe pick Phil Mickelson. He may be a little bit more fun until he bets all his money. And loses it all on hole number 11. Or 
would you have a ton of fun with John Daly? Right now, 57% of you say you would rather play a round of golf with John Daly. 33% say Tiger Woods. 10% say the hefty lefty, Phil Mickelson. Ton on Twitter says, I'd love to share a Coke with Tiger to pick his brain. No beer since his driving record is pas bon. I'd love to share a drink with Mickelson, but I'd have to hear about the evil PGA Tour. So daily it is. If nothing else, he seems down to earth and cool, if sometimes troubled. There you go. Keep those comments coming on our poll question of the day. Leave your thoughts on Facebook and Twitter. And keep those votes coming as well. Let's head out to the hotline, though. It's time to bring on our first guest of today's show. He helps us close out the week with authority, with knowledge, with pizzazz. It's the co-host of the Lima Time Time podcast, historian, baseball expert, and a man who says, hey, I'm bringing back early 2000s long hair wrestling look. It's our good friend, the one and only James Yasko. James, good morning. How are you? Uh, <clears throat> Raymond, I got to be totally honest with you. I woke up this morning and I was so pissed off at you. I I had a dream last night that the in my dream we were doing this and you were just like talking to Hannah like the whole time. And I'm like sitting here and it's like 730 and, and we haven't even gotten started. And I'm like texting you. I'm like, dude, I got to get my kid to school. Like, what are we what are we what are we doing here? And I was I was so livid. That it, it took me a, a good twenty minutes, maybe maybe a cup and a half of coffee, to realize, like, okay, that no, that was just a dream. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm glad. I'm glad. I um, I'm glad you're not really mad at me. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Thanks, bud. So, no, I'm good. I'm good now. <laughs> oh, okay, let's start off with Jake Odorizzi's injury. It looked really bad when it happened. The first thought was. Oh, he's torn his ACL or his MCL. He's, he shredded his knee. But come to find out, in fact, that's not what not what occurred. He's even off crutches, and they expect him to come back this season. No surgery is needed. How significant is that for the Strohs? Well, it's, <clears throat> it's really significant because, uh, and, it, and it, it makes that move to the six-man rotation, you know, when they did. A, a, looks like that, I mean, that, that was the right call because, Someone's going to go down. Uh, it did look like a bomb went off uh, in Jake Odorizzi somewhere. And I think we can all relate now that, you know, those of us that are that are on the on the wrong side of 30, uh, we can relate to you move wrong and, and you think you're dead. And then and then you wait a couple of days like, oh, it's not that bad. OK, no, I'll, I'm going to be OK. Um, but it's it's really significant to have him back um, just just for for how well he's pitched over the last, you know, four starts. And and when he comes back, you know, it's going to be a, a welcome addition to the rotation. He's going to come back. We know Lance McCullers Jr. is going to come back. And you're right, going to the six-man rotation is going to prove beneficial. But I keep hearing rumblings that even though they know Jake and Lance will both come back and be part of the rotation, and even though Garcia and Arquiti and Valdez have pitched well, along with, of course, Verlander, could we see the Astros still be aggressive and bring in another arm by the trade deadline? I think so. <clears throat> you know, there, there's been, and I know, I know the value of a pennant. It's fun to win pennants, but you know, at this point, you know, I think the fan base is sort of, you know, we want one legitimate world series title. And I think the front office knows that. 
And, and so to, when you have this window uh, with, with this group of players that the Astros have, you want to, you want to maximize your chances of, of, of doing well. Uh, and, and deep, po- I, I can't believe as an Astros fan growing up, you know, I'm, I'm saying this, but, and, and it's, it's not world series or bust, but, but the expectation is you play deep into October. And so you do whatever you need to do to, to fill, uh, you know, to, to sort of fill that window. What'd you make of the bounce back game that you saw last night from Framber? It was great. Uh, you know, that, that's exactly what you want to see. And everyone's going to, ha- you know, Berlander's going to get blown up one start. You know, every, you, you, we're, we're not talking, there's nobody on this, on this, in this rotation that's, that's Pedro Martinez in 2000. Uh, and so, you know, you're going to have the, the bad starts. What you see with Framber over the last, you know, handful of years is, is things tend to snowball on him. Uh, and you know, if, if he walks a guy, then, then, you know, he gets frustrated and then there's a blue pit and then that makes him even more mad and, and boom, it's a three run homer that, that came from, from him trying to nibble at the plate. So it's, it's, it's really good to, it's, it's been fun to kind of see Framber mature, uh, over the last couple of years and, and turn into a frontline starter. Do they have the pitching in place without order easy and without McCullers? to go and just keep rolling like they've been doing. Yeah. Uh, you know, the, the schedule hasn't been the easiest and, you know, they're, they're 14 and three in May, uh, which is, which is, it's kind of wild to, to think of, you know, to they've outscored their opponents by something like 50 runs in, in 17 games. Um, they, they, they've, they've played well, but you're sort of expecting, yeah, yeah. You need McCullers back. Um, but you made it to the World Series without him. So so every whatever you can get out of Lance McCullers, that's going to be gravy. We're talking with James Yasko of the Lima Time Time Podcast. He's also a contributor for the Houston Chronicle. He joins us here on RP3 and company. Let's talk about this lineup because I want to talk about Yuli Gurriel because he looked like he had lost a step a little bit. I asked you, hey, is this just bad luck or is father time catching up with him you said just bad luck you expected him to get back on track and boy he did he's been on a tear ever since we spoke last friday yeah no he's hitting you know it, 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 i mean let's be clear like he looked bad uh in april and and has has turned it around uh again i, I don't think you can expect another batting title but he's he's not a 210 hitter all of a sudden and so you know, I think he's he's hitting something like 263 in May. Um, that's about with, with a little bit of pop. Uh, you know, that that's 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 what you can expect out of out of Guriel going forward. Uh, and and it's um it's nice to be it, it's nice to say something and make a call like that on something like Guriel and and be somewhat correct. That's that's nice. <laughs> Congratulations, bud. Congratulations. This is what we're here for to make you feel better about yourself. <laughs> this is what we're here for. Uh, Yuli is, is seemingly turned around. El Tuve has been on a tear ever since he came off of, uh, the IL. And then last night, old Martin Maldonado, who is not in the lineup at all to hit. They know that because he's such a great defensive catcher. He's, he's even getting hits now. Yeah. I think if, if you give up a, a bases clearing double to Martin Maldonado, that's, that's an automatic ticket to triple A. Uh, and so, but it's great. It's good for him, you know, that, and it, and it, 
really put the game away. <clears throat> you know, and last night didn't. I mean, Framber was pretty was pretty dominant, uh, but that wasn't a comfortable game by any means. And and any win that you can have against a, a division opponent, you know, is 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 good. And, and especially when it comes from you know kind of an unlikely spot in the lineup. So good for Maldonado, but but was it Sabaro? I know that's not his name, but who whatever the the Rangers pitcher was like, maybe maybe explore Frisco for a little bit. <laughs> Frisco for a little bit. I like that. How does this team, this franchise rather, find so much great international, in particular, Latin talent and develops them and makes them ready for the show? Like, it, just go down the list. Altuve, Correa, Jordan Alvarez, Yuli, it, it, and now uh, Pena. It does not matter. They find them and they develop them and they make them ready for the show right off the bat. Yeah, no, that's 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 the investment. Uh, that, that's a, that is very much an organizational philosophy, and and you've seen, you know, and, and it's not terribly surprising. Um, <clears throat> but but that was one of of Jeff Luno's main hallmarks, and and for for all of the negative things you want to say about Jeff Luno, um, he sort of gave the rest of the league the blueprint, and with James Click coming over from from Tampa, you know, Tampa's really good at identifying and developing. Uh, talent and and that's that's just sort of been carried on since the since the Luno era, so <clears throat> it's a credit to the organization and it, it's an awful it's it's not something too many fans pay attention to, uh, but when you're signing a kid in, you know at 16 and and you put five or six years of work into into getting that kid ready, um, you know that that's a that's a credit to everybody involved that's that's the front office that's the coaching staff. That's your minor league coordinators. That's the, there's a lot of people that deserve a lot of credit for that. Do you believe that he is going to hit a wall as rookie Pena, or do you think because of how dominant and how great this lineup is that he's going to be protected from hitting quote unquote the rookie wall? Well, I think that you know there's going to be some regression coming. I mean, he's hitting <clears throat> something like 364 in May, you know, and and he's not going to hit 360 over the course of the season. Um, but there's there's enough protection around him, and there's enough, uh, you know, when you have someone who like Altuve uh, and Michael Brantley and Alex Bregman, you've got leaders in the Yuri Gurriel. When you've got leaders in the clubhouse that can help sort of nurture a rookie along, um, you know, maybe maybe the wall isn't going to be so steep. The other thing that has stood out to me about him, uh, James, is. We knew that his glove work was there. That's what he was known for, and we were surprised by the bat. But there is an adjustment of coming in and being the man at shortstop when you have two veteran guys on each side of you, right? And you have Yuli over at first. But you got Jose and you got Alex, and those two guys were used to playing with Carlos. That's the thing that's impressed me just as much as his bat is how easily he's adjusted to playing shortstop in the big leagues and how easily he's adjusted playing in between both Jose and Alex. Well, I mean, you know, you, you, when you, when you look to your left and right, you know, Altuve, you know, we'll, we'll see what happens, you know, however many years down the road, but, but there's, there's a case for Altuve being in the hall of fame. Um, you know, on that, on that note, Bregman, that that's, that's a different conversation, but you know, it's, it's got to make it a little bit easier you know, for Pena, you can relax a little bit knowing the, who you have around you are, they're, they're going to help you. You know, they are, they're going to be the ones that, 
that that sort of pick you up and and again it's it's that leadership where you you know we see we see them interact in the game but there's a lot of other hours in the day where they're they're hanging out they're talking um going over film you know it's the, there there's just a lot of support there and and there's the, despite what twitter would say you know Bregman and Altuve are, are pretty stand up guys there was a lot of worry when Springer left in free agency a year ago to go play for Toronto how they were going to replace his bat and how they were going to replace him in the outfield. And a lot of people thought Kyle Tucker was not going to be able to get the job done. They said, oh, there's no way. Has he proven the doubters wrong? I know I know he's not the same player as Springer. I get it. But, man, he's got a great pop in his bat. He can hit, and he's manning the outfield. Yeah, no, and, and that's just sort of the you – know, that's why you – Sort of the, the question about Pena and developing talent uh, kind of goes hand in hand with this one that that you you the front office knows you know who who they're trying to extend and 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 who they're gonna they're gonna let walk when once free agency comes and and you it's just sort of that next man up mentality and, and you know the, the they're professionals you know they all kind of know the score um, <coughs> excuse me but. Uh, you know, the Tucker was the right call and he looked, he came up in what, 2018 uh, and just looked terrible. He looked like he needed a glass of milk, like get that, you know, he get, dude can't even shave, uh, you know, that he looked, he looked awful. And, and it's, 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 again, it's a credit to uh, the coaching staff, but also to Tucker himself for putting in the work to, to be a, a prominent middle of the order bat. All right, bud, we'll get you out of here with this. Cause we're running out of time. I don't know if you're a golfer or not, but if you had the chance to play a round of golf with either Tiger Woods, Phil Mickelson, or John Daly, who would it be, bud? Uh, it's not going to be Tiger. Uh, as you said at the beginning, you know, that that's going to be all business. Like it, it, Tiger Woods is built for social media and he's not going to, he's not going to say anything and he's not going to do anything and he's not going to tell you any stories. Phil Mickelson's going to, going to, you know, be the Saudi Arabian apologist. So that's no good. Uh, it's got to be Daly. You're going to have fun with Daly. Yes, you can. Yes, you can. Enjoy your weekend, brother. Thank you for your time. <laughs> have a good one. Yeah, it's just amazing what the Astros have been able to do. Because they lose guys. They lost Springer. Kyle Tucker stepped up. They lost Carlos Correa. Jeremy Pena stepped up. It's just their well-run organization from top to bottom. And yet, here they are again, being a contender. Yet again, it's amazing how that works. They'll take on the Rangers again tonight, game two of this four-game series at the big old juice box. And you can listen to it on our sister station. That's right. News Talk 98.5 FM. First pitch is set for 7:10. Astros, Rangers. And you can hear it on our sister station, News Talk 98.5 FM. We got to take a timeout ourselves. More RP3 and company coming up. We'll take your phone calls. Hotline's open, 337-706-0111. That's 337-706-0111. You're listening to the game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles. Soccer? Isn't this great, man? I love soccer. Here we go, Galaxy. Here we go. Okay, maybe not soccer, but we'll try to do our best. Back to more knowledgeable sports talk with RP3 and company on, on the, the game. game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station.
game, 103.7 Lafayette and 104.1 Lake Charles wants to hook you up with ride tickets. That's right, ride tickets for the Cajun Heartland State Fair at the Cajun Dome, May 26th to June the 5th. We all know going to the fair can be a little pricey. Ride tickets can get expensive. You got to pay for admission. You got to pay for ride tickets. You got to pay for concessions. You can drop a pretty penny at the fair. That's why we want to help you out. Once again, we're giving away ride tickets for the Cajun Heartland State Fair at the Cajun Dome, May 26th to June the 5th. Simply text CHSF, that's CHSF, to 68683 to win a family four-pack of ride tickets to the Cajun Heartland State Fair. That's CHSF to 68683 to win a family four-pack of ride tickets to the Cajun Heartland State Fair. Let's check in on all the poll question of the day. It's a good one. Who would you rather play a round of golf with PGA Championship is going on as we speak. Round two action. Going to be teeing off in about half an hour from right now. But we want to know from you. Three of the bigger names that we have in the game of golf. John Daly has not been a competitive golfer for 20 years. Yet, we still talk about him. He still moves the needle. Because he's still a star. Even though he may be washed up, he's still a star. Tiger Woods is in the field with John Daly at the PGA Championship. John Daly shot a two-over par in round number one. He did lead briefly while we were on the air at two-under. Tiger Woods, not in contention. Four-over par in danger of missing the cut. The man's got some leg issues. Phil Mickelson, your defending champ for the PGA Championship. Guess what? Not even in the field. He's been banned to Saudi Arabia. But we asked you, as it stands right now, we're not talking in their prime. As it stands right now, 728 this morning, here on May the 20th, 2022. Who would you rather play a round of golf with? It's a fair question. We want to know from you. Right now, leading the vote, 57% is John Daly. 32% say Tiger Woods. 11% say the hefty lefty, Phil Mickelson. Dougie Fresh has chimed in, our boy Doug. John Daly is the kind of guy that would have an ice chest of beer and a bottle of tequila in the golf cart. That's who I'm hanging with. Hashtag go John Daly. (laughs) Oh, man. Yeah, see, it it all depends on how you would want to approach that day's round of golf, right? That's what it boils down to. Do you want to just go with the biggest star of all time, Tiger Woods, and get your selfie and, you know, kind of pick his brain a little bit? You could do that. But are you going to have fun? It's going to be an experience. You get a photo op. Yeah. But are you going to have fun with Tiger? Or is Tiger even going to make writing on the scorecard a competition? I don't know. Probably. And he's very buttoned up. Phil, you could probably have fun with Phil, but he may whine a little too much. John Daly's just going to go out there and want to have fun. Smoking cigs, eating peanut M&Ms, drinking Diet Cokes, and other things. When you get to the turn, John's going to be like, hey, man, 
Let's take, well, let's take about 15 here. Let's get a few drinks. Let's get a few sandwiches. You're going to have a fun time with John Daly. Just saying. Steve has chimed in as well. Again, great poll question. The reason we all play golf is for the enjoyment. If you're going to have fun, Long John Daly is the man. I follow Tiger at Beth Page Black in Farmington, New York. He complained the entire first round. Phil hates himself. <laughs> Who wants to be around that? You're not wrong. JD is entertaining every time he goes out. That is my idea of fun. There we go. Now we're talking. Now, who do I want to have in a competitive round? Like if it's a scramble and we're trying to, you know, win some prize money? Well, that's a different question. But who am I going to have fun with? I think it's pretty obvious. It's got to be John Daly. Just saying. You know you'd have some fun with the big fella. And you know what? He's not going to take himself seriously. He's going to have fun with you. He's going to tell stories. He's probably going to tell you stories he shouldn't be telling you. You're going to be like, that's kind of awkward, but okay. Does your lawyer know you're telling me this? That's the type of stuff that's going to happen. He's not going to judge you for being awful at golf. Right? You're not going to have to worry about that. He's not going to give out a big heavy sigh if you're, you know, putting snowmen on the scorecard. He's not going to do that. Let's get to some additional comments on Facebook for our poll question of the day. Blaine has chimed in Dustin Johnson if his wife is there. LOL. Seriously, I would like to play with John Daly. Martin says, Sergio, just so I can see him throw a fit. Ha <laughs> ha. And five names can be my caddy. Well, well, there we go. Nick Gidry says, Daily, could you imagine the looks when we break out the beer funnel? Life short, looking to have a good time, not get schooled in golf. See, there you go. Oh, yeah, you would have a great time. See, that's what I'm talking about here. Have a great time. Paul says, John Daly, hands down. He gives hope to high-functioning alcoholics everywhere. Matt says, John Daly as well. Keep those votes coming on our poll question of the day. Leave your comments on Facebook and Twitter. You're killing it so far this morning. Keep it up. We got to take a timeout, unfortunately. When we return, phone lines are open. You want to talk about John Daly? You want to talk about the PGA Championship, NBA playoffs, LSU crushing the face of Andy, UL getting blanked at home by lowly Little Rock, McNeese starting off the Southland Conference Tournament with a dub? We'll touch on it all. Give us a holler. Hotline is open. 337-706-0111. That's 337-706-0111. You're listening to RP3 and Company right here on the game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. Time to open up the vault for the games this day in sports history. May 20th, 1983. American heavyweight boxer Larry Holmes beats countryman Tim Witherspoon by a split decision to retain his WBC championship in a bout held at the Dunes Hotel and Casino in Las Vegas. That was this day in sports history. We now return to the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. 
game, 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles wants to upgrade your experience for Downtown Rising with the ultimate Downtown Rising VIP experience. Look, you can score VIP passes for the show plus a chance, wait for it, to meet the headliners, the Cold War kids. That's right. Simply register in the Game Rewards Club at 1037thegame.com or 1041thegame.com to win VIP passes for Downtown Rising featuring Cold War Kids on Saturday, June the 4th. The Ultimate Downtown Rising VIP experience is presented by Social Entertainment, Radar Solutions, Louisiana Raging Cajuns, and the game, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. And if you don't win the VIP passes for Ultimate Downtown Rising, guess what? I have tickets that I need to give away this morning. I got tickets. They're burning a hole in my back pocket. I got to give them away. You're going to win them. You want to know how? Because at 8.13 this morning, right before we take a break, before we bring on Nick Fondo for cashing tickets, I got a pair of tickets to this year's Downtown Rising featuring the Cold War kids that I'm giving away. Now, we've been giving away a pair all week long. You simply have to answer a trivia question. You answer it correctly, the first one to do so, by calling the hotline, 337-706-0111. You'll win those tickets. Hint, this morning's trivia question is going to be about a team that you know, that you possibly love and that we cover on Monday it was the New Orleans Saints on Tuesday it was the Houston Astros Wednesday LSU yesterday was the Raging Cajuns today McNeese Cowboys that's your clue McNeese Cowboys is what the trivia question is going to cover what sport is the question going to cover I can't tell you that Well, I will tell you that shortly before 8.15, we will ask our trivia question this morning. It'll be concerning the McNeese Cowboys. And if you're the first to call in with the correct answer for our trivia question, you're going to win the tickets to go see Cold War Kids in downtown Rising. Coming up at 8.15. Busy, busy night in sports last night. Let's start on the diamond, college in particular. LSU needed that win in a big way. Let's be fair. After getting swept at home by the likes of Ole Miss for the first time ever, losing and being swept at home to the Rebels, they bounced back in a big way last night, going on the road for their final regular season series and crushing the faces of Vanderbilt. Just destroyed Vandy 13-2. Dylan Cruz, 4-4 for four with three runs scored, four ribbies. He also drew two walks. That's what we call a good night at the dish. Hilliard was wildly efficient. But does LSU have the pitching now moving forward to win this series? They took game one easily. A series victory on the road against nationally ranked Vandy would go a long way to help their positioning to get into a spot 
to host an NCAA regional? Do they have enough pitching the rest of the weekend to make that happen? We'll find out. But last night was a very good sign. A bounce back. You expected that type of score against Ole Miss, not against Vandy. Can they score enough runs and have their pitchers not get lit up like they've been doing of late? The next two games. Game two of this series will be tonight. Six o'clock is first pitch. And you can listen to LSU at Vandy live right here on the game. You're home for LSU athletics. The UL Raging Cajuns, meanwhile, had what I like to call a wooftastic night at the Teague. Little Rock is one of the worst teams in the conference. The Cajuns are one win away, essentially, from locking up the number four spot for the Sunbelt Conference Tournament next week in Montgomery. They'll be playing those games at the home of the Biscuits. Yet, the Cajuns go out there and get shut out at home by Little Rock, two to nothing. Credit Little Rock, credit their pitcher. They came in there, they got nothing to lose. The Cajuns, meanwhile, have themselves uh, back against the wall now. Not only did they need to bounce back with a win tonight just to have a chance to win the series, they would like to go ahead and lock up that spot in the conference tournament as the four seed. Matt Deggs is going to have to get his guys to dust themselves off and get ready. They lost their mojo in San Marcos. They were riding high. They had turned things around. They looked like a team that was trending in the right direction. They get swept by Texas State, the best team in the Sun Belt. And is this kind of hangover from that? It sure does feel that way. I know they beat Nichols in the midweek game, but it just feels this way. Now, they can bounce back and win tonight and tomorrow night and be done with it and then just turn their attention to the Sun Belt Conference Tournament, but we'll see. First pitch is set tonight for 6 o'clock there at Russo Park between Little Rock and UL. The McNeese baseball team, meanwhile, it was a little sloppy early on, but they eventually pulled away and opened up a can of you-know-what on Incarnate Word. 12-6 win over Incarnate Word in the opening round of the Southland Conference Tournament. They're at the Joe. Cowboy skipper with the win, Justin Hill, tied the late great Tony Robichaux for most wins in McNeese baseball history. He'll have a chance to break that record as McNeese takes on Nichols tonight in the second round of the Southland Conference Tournament. First pitch is set for 6 o'clock there at Joe Miller Ballpark. Woo! Oh, and by the way, not only do you have LSU, UL, and McNeese playing games today in baseball, the softball programs for all three of those schools are in action as well. NCAA regionals kick off today. LSU, they're the two-seed in the Tempe Regional. They're going to be taking on San Diego State. 2-3 matchup. That'll be going on tonight over in Tempe. McNeese, meanwhile, the Cowgirls travel outside the state of Texas and Louisiana for the first time ever for a regional, their eighth regional appearance. They're up in Illinois. 
at the Evanston Regional, home of Northwestern. Not Northwestern State, not the Fighting Jamie Greens. No, no, Northwestern, better known as the future lawyers of America. And the Cowgirls are the three seed. They're taking on two seed Notre Dame. Cowgirls fighting Irish. They'll be battling it out later this afternoon. 1.30. And then you have the Region Cajuns. They're heading over to Clemson. They're in South Carolina for the Clemson Regional. They earned the three seed. They're taking on two seed Auburn this afternoon at 1.30. You, of course, you can check back to 1037thegame.com and 1041thegame.com for stories on baseball and softball. It will be a busy weekend. Lots of stories, lots of video recaps. We'll have it all for you at our website and on our social media platforms as well. And, of course, the Houston Astros returned home last night and defeated the Texas Rangers 5-1. to Jose Altuve led the way with four hits. Framer Valdez, meanwhile, scattered six hits and only one run over seven innings. He looked really good. Nice bounce-back performance by Framer. The two teams are going to play again tonight in game two of this four-game series there at the Big Juice Box. First pitch is set for 7-10, and you can hear all the action on our sister station, News Talk 98.5 FM. And don't forget about our poll question of the day. Once again, PGA Championship underway. Round one in the books. Rory McIlroy shot five under par to lead, to be your leader by one stroke. Second round action is has just now teed off there at Southern Hills Country Club in Tulsa, Oklahoma. And we talked about it. Phil Mickelson not in the field. He's your defending champ because of his comments and his desire to make money because he has a gambling habit and deciding to possibly golf in Saudi Arabia and leave the PGA Tour. He's not even in the field. Tiger Woods shot four over par yesterday. He's struggling with leg uh, leg injury. He's probably not going to make the cut. John Daly, oh, the long one, the, the man, the man with the beard, the big bushy beard, the big beer belly. Once again, this is what John Daly did yesterday. He led the PGA Championship at two under par briefly in the morning. Finished two over for the first round. Former PGA Championship champion. That's why he's in the field. Big beard, big belly, smoking 21 cigarettes during a round of golf eating six bags of peanut M&Ms and drinking eight Diet Cokes and not a sip of water. It was documented by a reporter that followed John around, and John had the best time he could possibly do. That leads us to our poll question of the day. Who would you rather play a round of golf with? Is it Tiger Woods? Is it John Daly? Or is it Phil Mickelson? Right now, 60% of you say John Daly, 31% say Tiger Woods, 9% of you say Phil Mickelson. Overwhelmingly, the comments are for the big fella John Daly. That Cajun says, he prefers Jack Daniels. When he was in college, he kept a couple of pints in his bag and drank while he played. Said he doesn't really remember most of his college tournaments. (laughs) Yes. Look. 
John Daly has his demons. It's been well documented in documentaries and articles and books and the whole nine yards. Lived a certain lifestyle that was a little too much. But it made him immensely relatable. If the character for Tin Cup was a real-life person, the closest person to that would be John Daly. He always felt like he was just one of us. He was just a guy that just so happened to hit the ball really long and could play golf. That's how he always felt. So, yes, he's had issues. Yes, he's been married multiple times. Yes, he's had, you know, a drinking problem. But John loves life. He's always taking pictures with fans. He's signing autographs. He doesn't believe that he's... He never believed that he was too big for the game. He never believed he was too big for the fans. And that's why, in spite of his struggles and his demons, I would pick John Daly because it would be fun and he'd be real and he'd be authentic. He wouldn't be fake. He wouldn't be, be trying too hard. He wouldn't be aloof. He would just be him. And I respect the heck out of that. Keep those votes coming on that poll question of the day. We got to take a timeout. You want to get those phone calls in, you can still do so. Game hotline's open, 337-706-0111. You're listening to RP3 and Company right here on The Game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. Today is the day that you are going to join the Game Clubhouse. That's right. Not only is it free to join, but once you become a member, it's easy to sign up, by the way. You're going to start earning points. That's going to be your currency, so to speak, because you keep earning points. You keep piling up the currency. That'll allow you the opportunities to win free stuff. What kind of stuff, you may be asking yourself? Glad you did. What about a $50 gift certificate to Half Shell Oyster House? Delicious Gulf seafood. Take your lady out for a good time on the town. Or you could win a $150 gift certificate to Mr. Lester's Steakhouse. Delicious steaks cooked to perfection. Desserts, adult beverages galore. But you can only win that $50 gift certificate to Half Shell Oyster House or that $150 gift certificate to Mr. Lester's Steakhouse by becoming a member of our clubhouse today. Go sign up. It's free to do so. Simply visit 1037thegame.com or 1041thegame.com. Click on the Clubhouse Rewards tab, and you can sign up today. It's free. It's simple. And once you become a member you'll have the opportunity to score free stuff like a $50 gift certificate to Half Shell Oyster House and a $150 gift certificate to Mr. Lester's Steakhouse. Ooh, I'm getting hungry just thinking about it. And when you're dieting, you're really thinking about food all the time. <laughs> just say it. Just say it. Mmm, steak. Mmm, shrimp. Fried shrimp. Boiled shrimp. Shrimp scampi. I love shrimp. Love them shrimp. I'm hungry. I got to figure out what to do for lunch now. Hour number two has come to a close. But not to worry. We still have one more hour left to go. Coming up at 8.30, Chad Schnecksnyder from Fairgrounds Podcast will be joining us to help preview the Preakness Steaks, which is tomorrow. Coming up at 8.15, Nick Fondo will join us. 
talking NBA playoffs, little USFL betting action. And of course, coming up, we'll unveil our trivia question of the day. It'll be McNeese related. We got two tickets to Downtown Rising to give away. So stay tuned for that. That's all coming up in our final hour of today's show. You're listening to The Game, 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. Live from the Delta Media Studios in Upper Lafayette, here is the producer extraordinaire, Hannah Five Names, and your big, bald, beautiful host, Raymond Parts III, better known as RP3. Welcome back to RP3 and Company. I'm your host, Raymond Parts III. I'm joined here inside the game studios by the producer extraordinaire, Hannah Five Names. Two hours in the books, final hour of today's show, final hour of the week has arrived. But don't be sad. We're going to close out strong. Chad Schneider will be joining us from the Fairgrounds podcast. He joins us to help us preview the Kentucky Derby. He's going to do the same for the Preakness Stakes. That's coming up 30 minutes from right now. In about 15 minutes from right now, Nick Fondo will join us, giving you the latest betting tips for NBA playoffs, USFL, and more. That'll be coming up cashing tickets. Plus, we're about 15 minutes away from us unveiling our trivia question of the day. It's going to be McNeese-related. Monday, it was Saints. Tuesday, it was Astros. Wednesday, LSU. Yesterday, Cajuns. Today, it's going to be McNeese-related as we got a pair of tickets to Downtown Rising featuring Cold War kids to give away this morning. We'll do so in about 15 minutes from right now. We'll ask you the question. I will repeat it a few times. The first person to call the hotline, 337-706-0111. That's 337-706-0111. The first person to call in and answer it correctly will win a pair of tickets to go see Cold War kids at Downtown Rising. Got it. I got your tickets, not to worry. You just have to call in with the correct answer to our trivia question. Once again, the trivia question will be McNeese-related. That's your hint. So get your cowboy hat on, so to speak, to answer this question. Busy, busy day last night in the world of sports. LSU gets a win at Vanderbilt and does so in convincing fashion. It was a bit of what I like to call a good old-fashioned face-crushing. 13-2 was the final score. Dylan Cruz goes four for four. Three runs scored, four ribbies. And Mikhail Hilliard was very, very good on the bump for the Tigers as Jay Johnson's team wins 13-2 over Vanderbilt. They'll look to win the series tonight. Game two of that series will be from Nashville, and you can listen to it live right here on the game. First pitch set for 6 o'clock. 6 o'clock. And it can be heard right here on the game. 
if LSU wins this series against Vandy and wins a couple games at the SEC tournament in Hoover next week, will that be enough to put them back into hosting an NCAA regional? It could. Vandy was right there on the bubble fighting to host a regional. And by many projections from D1 Baseball and Baseball America, they were there. But if they lose a series to LSU, at home nonetheless, will that hurt their chances? Could LSU essentially take Vandy's spot in hosting a regional? You know the NCAA would love Baton Rouge to host. They know they're going to sell out. They know they're going to have the fans. You know it's going to be a raucous environment. But LSU's going to have to put in the work. It's just not going to be given to them. They need to win this series against Vandy, and then they're going to have to win at least, in my opinion, two games next week in Hoover. If they do that, I could see them sneaking in as like the 14, 15, 16 seed nationally. Because how a team fares with its fans in attendance does play a role. You don't want to hear that. We'd like to believe that the NCAA does everything on the up and up, but that's just not the reality of the situation. It just isn't. UL inexplicably gets shut out at home to one of the worst teams in the Sunbelt Conference last night by Little Rock. Credit Little Rock. They came in, chip on their shoulder, pitched extremely well. They get the win. Matt Deggs' team is still one win away from locking up the four spot for the Sunbelt Conference Tournament next week in Montgomery. But they got work to do. It's one of those losses where you just shake your head and you go, what? You did what? Got to get that mojo back. They lost it in San Marcos, getting swept by Texas State. They got to figure it out. If they want to make a run, they want to play in an NCAA regional, they're going to have to do some work. Going to have to do some work. McNeese, meanwhile, they started off Southland Conference Tournament play there at the Joe last night with a victory. 12-6 over Incarnate Ward. It wasn't the prettiest game, but they got the job done. They'll move on to face Nichols tonight. Last night, Justin Hill tied Tony Robichaux for most wins as McNeese baseball skipper. He can pass him tonight with a win over Nichols in the second round of the Southland Conference Tournament. First pitch is set for 6 o'clock from the Joe. The Houston Astros returned home, and they needed to, after dropping 2 of 3 at Boston, and they began their homestand with a win last night against the Texas Rangers, 5-1. to one. Jose Altuve led the way with four hits. Framer Valdez scattered six hits in one run over seven innings. The two teams will play again tonight. First pitch is set for 7-10. And you can listen to all the exciting action on our sister station, News Talk 98.5 FM. Marcus Smart, Al Horford returned to the lineup for the Boston Celtics. They were not in the lineup for that game one beatdown when Jimmy Butler of the Heat scored 41 points as Miami took game one easily. Well, Boston bounced back in a big way and easily took game two last night. 127 to 102. Jason Tatum led the Celtics with 27 points, while Smart added 24 and Horford chipped in 10. Game three in Boston will be on Saturday. I expect this to be a dogfight of a series. I I do. Jimmy's going to go off again a couple of times. Boston is very deep and very talented. 
This should be a wildly entertaining series. Game two of the Western Conference Finals will be tonight. Golden State easily defeated Dallas in game one, but Dallas has given the opposition multiple games and has buried themselves in each one of their first two playoff series. And when you got Luka, well, you know he can take over a game. Game two will be tonight. Golden State leads this one, but once again, this is not the Warriors team that we saw go on that great run where they were considered the best team in basketball. They're not as efficient as they used to be. They're, they're sloppy, to me, turnovers. Offense looks clunky at time. But they're still Golden State. They still are the Splash Brothers, Steph Curry and Klay Thompson. They still got Draymond Green, the antagonator. That, they're still Golden State. But game two of the Western Conference Finals will be tonight. And of course, PGA Championship is going on. Second round action has teed off. They have begun play of the second round there at Southern Hills Country Club in Tulsa. Justin Thomas is part of your early group. He was tied for third with Matt Kuchar at three under to begin the day. Not so much. Justin Thomas birdied hole number one. He's now moved up, tied for second. Only a stroke back of Rory McIlroy. Rory is your leader. He's not going to tee off until this afternoon at 1.30. But Justin Thomas, part of the early group out there on the course. K.H. Lee, he's moved up into the top 10 as well. He's one under through three holes this morning as well. Seamus Power, the Irishman, he's one under through two. He's now even par for the tournament. Shane Lowry, even par through two as uh, holes as well. So some early action going on there at the PGA Championship. Projected cut line right now is two over. So as it stands right now, making the cut would be John Daly, who's two over. Hideki Matsuzama, who's two over. Jordan Spieth, Jason Duffner, Bubba Watson, they're all two over. So they would barely make it into the weekend as it stands right now. But once again, that's the projected cut line that will fluctuate, uh, be adjusted throughout the day. But right now, in danger of not making the cut later on today, Dustin Johnson, three over par. Tiger Woods, four over par. Sergio Garcia, three over par. Ryan Palmer, three over par. Zach Johnson, four over par. So some big names in danger of not making the cut there at the PGA Championship. So we'll keep you updated with that throughout today's show and throughout the airwaves today here on the game. And I want to just touch back on, once again, what we led off today's show with. The Nick Saban, Jimbo Fisher, like, battle rap beef that's going on right now. First of all, it's kind of stupid. These are grown men, 60 years old or older, multi-millionaires, national championship winning coaches, doing some whining and complaining. 
Let's start there. That's number one. Number two, this is the era of the NIL. Saban's comments are not exactly false, are they? A&M puts together a legendary recruiting class and a good portion of those signees have NIL deals. Jimbo's simply taking advantage of what the situation is. This reminds me of John Calipari taking advantage of the one-and-done rule in college basketball, which highly benefited him because he took advantage of that and got guys to come to first Memphis, then Kentucky, to come for one year and then go to the NBA and be a lottery pick. Jimbo's just doing the same thing. You may not like it, but that's what he's doing. Saban doesn't like it, but I'm telling you this as well. His shot at Jimbo, his shot at A&M, yes, is he frustrated with NIL? Absolutely. Yes, is he upset that Jimbo got the best of him last year? Sure is. Make no bones about it. That's also Nick Tater's way of letting all of the people with deep pockets in the state of Alabama know, guys, if you want to keep up, if we want to continue at this level, you're going to have to step up and pay these players NIL deals. That's what he was doing. Saban's not a dummy. Saban knows exactly what he says, how he says it. Don't try to trick yourself to thinking, oh, that was just an off-the-cuff remark. No, it was that. It was also planned because he knew it would get heat, and it let everybody know in the state of Alabama, all those Crimson Tide supporters, you're on notice. You want us to continue getting the best guys? These guys are getting paid legally. Up front, they're getting mega money. So we got to ramp it up. Yeah, Bryce Young getting the $1 million deal before he even threw a pass for Alabama. Great. We're going to have to keep that up because this is the era that we live in now. That's what he was doing. I'm telling you. That's what he was doing. And as for Jimbo, if there's anybody that doesn't have the right to sit there and complain about someone talking about his character, it's Jimbo Fisher. I mean, I mean, I'm seriously. You're not. You're not a choir boy. You ran Florida State into the ground. You had players punching women in restaurants. You had sexual assault claims left and right. You had your APR score be the worst in Division One football. When you left the program, you essentially set a bomb off and left. You manipulated and used LSU not once but twice. Your nephew decided to put hands on a coach after the overtime game, and then he got his hands, he got hands put on him by, uh, by, uh, by Kevin Falk. You're so egotistical, and you love rubbing people the wrong way so much that you got championship rings made because of an overtime win. Come on now. And... Multiple NCAA violations at Florida State, and you've had violations already at Texas A&M. So let's not try to make out Jimbo Fisher as a choir boy here, okay? Was Saban out of line for what he said? Yes. Was Saban accurate with what he said? Yes. Is Jimbo accurate in saying that Nick Saban's got skeletons in his closet? Yep. Name me a big-time college football coach that doesn't. It's all just silly. It's great content. It's great fodder. But it's all just asinine, ridiculous, 
And these are grown men doing this. Like, come on now. SEC media days in Atlanta at the College Football Hall of Fame, though, in July, are going to be absolutely bananas. Because you're going to have Jimbo and Saban. They're going to have to watch what they have to say because Greg Sankey's going to, you know, give them a tongue lashing like he did yesterday. And then you're going to have Lane Kiffin. I can't wait for Lane to stir the pot, to comment on both of these things at SEC media days because you know he's going to. (laughs) You know he's going to, which is going to be absolutely phenomenal. I can't wait. I really can't wait for that. But that's my take once again on the Jimbo Saban beef. Like There's no hero in this story, people. You're dealing with two villains. Okay. Just let's be honest. Trivia question time. It's time to give away downtown rising tickets. Are you ready for it? Here it is. Trivia question of the day. First caller to give us a call on the game hotline. 337-706-0111. That's 337-706-0111. First caller to answer correctly is going to win a pair of tickets to go see the Cold War kids at Downtown Rising. That's right. That's what's at stake. Here's your question. What year... Did Tony Robichaux win his first conference regular season title at McNeese? Justin Hill tied Tony for most wins in program history last night. But what year did Tony Robichaux, the late great one, win his first conference regular season championship at McNeese? with the Cowboys baseball team? That's our trivia question of the day. First caller to call in with the correct answer at 337-706-0111 is going to win a pair of tickets to Downtown Rising to see Cold War kids. Once again, the question is, what year did Tony Robichaux win his first conference regular season title at McNeese? Call the game hotline, 337-706-0111. We got to take a timeout when we return. Cashing tickets with our guy, Nick Fondo, NBA playoffs, USFL, Preakness, and more. That's coming up right here on the game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. RP3 is known across Acadiana as a master of the English language. You look at all the guys that they got. Clinton Anukoraru, and I don't know how to pronounce this young man's name. TJ Falola. More like a master of broken English, that is. They also added an inside linebacker, Casey Wasawi. These names are killing me, man. I even practiced last night. Me fail English? That's impossible. Now back to that silky smooth delivery of RP3 and company on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Trivia question. Oh, we've had a couple calls, but no one's got it right yet. Stumping you guys this morning. I love it. What year did Tony Robichaux win his first conference regular season title at McNeese? 
Key word is, key word there, by the way, hint, hint, regular season title. When did the late, great Tony Robichaux win his first regular season conference title at McNeese? First correct caller is going to win two tickets to downtown Rising. That's right, two tickets to go see the Cold War kids at downtown Rising. Once again, give us a call. Give us a call on the hotline, game hotline, 337-706-0111. That's 337-706-0111. But right now, it's time for us to head out to the hotline. Welcome on our guy, Nick Fondo, the semi-pro gambler. Bud, good morning to you. How you doing? I'm a, I'm a bit under the weather, Ray. I must say I'm uh, not feeling well today. Is that because your your picks were so bad the last couple of weeks? Well, it's not helping. That's for sure. <laughs> not helping. Vince is not helping. <laughs> All right, bud. Let's talk a little NBA prop bets and uh, break it down for me. How can blowouts affect their outcomes when it comes to these prop bets, especially because they're very they're so popular right now? Yeah, I mean, I, so take for instance last night. I, I had Jason Tatum. He's over. 27 and a half points and everything's looking pretty good for that to get there. I mean, he has 27 points in the third quarter and the game's a blowout. So he doesn't play a single second in the fourth quarter. So you got to be careful with that because even though they're fun and you can have a lot of fun with prop bets and you can win with prop bets. And if the game's not a blowout, you know, you're, you're never out of it. Once the game becomes a blowout, some of your data, some of your, you know, statistics, if you you've done everything right, you've done all the homework, You've put the work in, and you're not just guessing. You're actually doing the work and following the data and making the right play. Jason Tatum Uber was the right play last night. It still doesn't win, so you got you got to be careful with blowouts, and they can they can ruin a good a good prop bet. But some of the prop bets came through last night, like Marcus Smart. Didn't matter how many minutes he played. Actually, he played a lot of minutes. He played into the fourth quarter last night, but he went over his. Jimmy Butler right now was almost automatic to go over his points for props and, and you're looking at threes and other things like that. So the prop bets are really fun. You just got to watch out for those blowouts because they can ruin it even if you make the right play. All right. The Eastern Conference Finals is now knotted up one game apiece. I've said, look, uh, if the Heat are going to win this, they're going to need Jimmy just to kind of take over games and do what he did in game one because I think Boston has a little bit better depth, especially now that Smart and Horford are back into the lineup. How do you like this series? What are you betting, and what are you encouraging folks to do when it comes to the Eastern Conference Finals? Before the series started, I was all on the Heat. I was saying Heat probably in six or seven. I've completely switched after watching the first two games. I think I'm going to go Celtics in five. I think they're going to win the next the next three and take it down. I, I think that first game, they dominated that first half, and then they came out in the third quarter, and for whatever reason, they allowed the Heat to, to really take it to them. I, I don't see that happening again. And I think we saw it again last night. We saw them dominate the first half and then they came out in the second half and they didn't let the Heat do what they did. And Jimmy Butler went off last night. He had a great game. He had as many points as he needed to have. He didn't play at all in the fourth quarter. He still finished with, I think, 28 points. But it wasn't enough. And I don't think the Heat have enough to get it done. So before the, before the series, I was all on the Heat. I was saying Heat and six. I've completely turned it around. And I think if you were able to, to follow the Celtics after game one, I think they were at plus money. Now, right now, they're back to minus money, so there's not a lot of value in taking the Celtics. But I, I, I would, I would look at the Celtics in five and, and be confident in taking that because I don't think the Heat win another game. 
Yeah, when you're depending on Tyler Hero to come off the bench to get you like 20 points, it, you're, yeah. you're at a bit of a disadvantage. Let's go over to the Western Conference Finals. Look, Golden State are the vets, right? The Splash Brothers and Draymond, they've been here. They've done that. They've won the titles. But this Golden State team looks clunky at times, Nick. They just do, right? And offensively, they, they give up too many turnovers. They played poorly against Memphis, yet they were still able to win that series because the Grizzlies did not have John Morant. But Dallas has Luka. And I know they lost game one, but Dallas lost the earlier games in both of their former series, and they won those. How do you like the Western Conference Finals? I mean, it's, it's the obvious pick to take Golden State, but I think Luka's an X factor, and I don't, I'm not counting them out. So, so while picking Golden State and putting your money on Golden State is probably the wise bet, I, I think there's a value with Luca. I, th- I think they're actually going to still gain two, and I, th- I think it's going to be one-one. I think I think this series is going to be a longer one. I think it's going to go six or seven. I'm not quite ready to pick Dallas. I don't think they're there yet. I don't think they have enough outside of Luca. I know I said before the before Game Seven against the Suns that Luca wasn't enough to to win that series. I was wrong there, so I could be wrong again, and Luca could be enough to win this series. I just don't. I don't. I don't see it happening. So I, I think I think the money still goes on the Warriors, but. Hey, you, you just can't count Luke out. He's he's that good, and he's proven to be even better than than I even thought. All right, bud. Let's switch over to the USFL. You know, we know you're a big USFL guy. No one's bigger. No Huge. one's a bigger New Orleans Breakers fan. Uh, how do you like this weekend's slate of games? Well, you know, I'm taking the Breakers. I don't. I, I didn't even look at who they played. I think they're playing Pittsburgh. It doesn't matter. Automatic every week. We're taking the Breakers and uh, minus seven and a half. Um, we're we're going to take that. We also bet against Tampa every week, and last week was a heartbreaker. I think they even changed the rules because of what happened in the Tampa Bay game because Tampa just cheats all the time. They cheat in every sport. They cheated last night in the NHL. They got a goal with like one second left. Tampa just cheats. So if, you, if, you, if you're going to bet against Tampa, be wary of the cheat. But we're going to bet against Tampa. So we're going to take Philadelphia, and we're going to take New Orleans. That's our bets pretty much every week, Rick. I love it. All right, bud. Get your thoughts on the Preakness. We had a, a legendary historic moment in the Kentucky Derby where an alternate got into the field at the last minute and the biggest long shot to win in more than 100 years wins the Derby. That horse, Rich Strike, is not in the field for the Preakness this weekend. Yet, you know, the, the favorite and the Louisiana Derby winner is how are you rolling? What are you betting? How are you betting for the Preakness? I think I think it's epicenter. I think we're we're going to go epicenter. We should have went epicenter. Should have won the Derby. And I mean that that watching that overhead view of Red Strike kind of taking over that that was amazing. I'm surprised they're not running him in the Preakness, probably because they know he can't win. And I think they're going to run him in the Belmont. I don't know if he has a chance on that one either. They probably should just retire him and and make a lot of money with him. But I think epicenter is the safe bet. I think it was a safe bet in the Derby. I think he's a safe bet here. So put your money on epicenter, and I think he's going to take it down. Nick, appreciate your time as always, brother. Get to feeling bud. Uh, get to feeling better, bud, and we'll talk to you next week. All right, thanks, Ray. Still don't have a winner for our trivia question, by the way. Ooh, did not anticipate this. Did not anticipate. Once again, if you want to win a pair of tickets to go see Downtown Rising featuring Cold War kids, we got your tickets. I got them right here inside the game studio for you. But you got to call with the correct answer for the trivia question. 
What year did Tony Robichaud, the late great one, win his first conference regular season title at McNeese? What year did Tony Robichaud win his first conference regular season title at McNeese? You call in with the correct year. You get those tickets to Downtown Rising. Once again, call the hotline, 337-706-0111. That's 337-706-0111. When we come back here, we're going to talk more about the Preakness, get a full-on preview from our friend Chad Schneider will join us coming up from the Fairgrounds Podcast. That's next on the game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. Great news, my sports loving friend. No more aimlessly searching for sports talk love by swiping left or right. That's because you've already found the perfect match for sports talk love that is. Now, back to the only lover you'll ever need. The game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Lafayette Marble and Granite is the South's largest cultural marble factory. And guess what? They pride themselves on earning your business. And look, you already know that my friends over at LMG, they pride themselves on show-stopping marble countertops for your kitchens and your bathrooms. But did you know they can also take your man cave area, your outdoor living area, the place that you love to hang out during fall, during football Saturdays and football Sundays in the fall? They can make that the envy of your neighborhood as well. Simply visit their website, lmgelite.com today. That's lmgelite.com to learn more about all the sensational services and great products that they have to offer. Live inventory is updated every single Wednesday. Visit lmgelite.com or stop by the showroom located right there on I-49 North across from Hub City Ford and the Jockey Lot. It's Lafayette, Marble, and Granite. They're looking to earn your business, and trust me, earn it, they will. We got ourselves a winner. We got ourselves a winner. Two tickets given away to Downtown Rising featuring the Cold War kids. We had a trivia question of the day. It was McNeese-related. We asked you, what year did Tony Robichaux win his first conference regular season title at McNeese? The correct answer was 1988. And David Schneider from Lafayette is our winner. Congratulations to David. He's got two tickets to go see Cold War Kids at Downtown Rising. Make sure to tune in this afternoon as Crunch Time with Miguez and Mesh. Well, guess what? They're going to have a pair of tickets to give away as well. And it will be a McNeese-centric trivia question as well. So make sure to tune in to that. But right now, it's time for us to talk horse racing. It's time to talk Preakness Stakes. When we talked to our next guest, the last time we did, it was on the eve of the Kentucky Derby. The horse that ended up winning the Derby wasn't even in the field. Historic in a historic race, an historic performance by Rich Strike, but that horse won't even be in the Preakness Stake this weekend. Does that change how you bet? Does that change how you look at the field? To talk all about it, is our friend from the Fairgrounds Racing Podcast, Chad Schneider joins us now. Chad, good morning to you, brother. How are you, my friend? 
I'm doing well. I'm doing well. I know you had that rich strike. You know, I knew you had to have that and took a couple of days off after uh, after that one came in, right? Oh yeah, yeah. I had that. <laughs> That's why I'm talking to it's you. Hard, it's hard to pick a horse on a radio show 48 hours before the race, and uh, the horse that wins isn't even in the race when you talk about him. Huh? Yeah. We had the same problem with the podcast. We did the podcast, and he wasn't even part of the field. We never talked about him because he wasn't supposed to run. It was. Definitely a crazy result, but you know what? That, that That's horse racing for you. Chad, you, you've seen a lot of horse racing. You've covered a lot from all levels. Have you ever seen a race and a performance quite like that? Not really. You know, I, I was actually at Churchill Downs, the Derby, in the year, I think it was 2009, where Mind That Bird won, and I was in the clubhouse, and you just heard this hush come over the crowd as everybody, when Mind That Bird took the lead with Calvin Burrell in the stretch and shot up the rail, you just heard... The announcer says, you know, mind that bird, and everybody just hushes, and they're all looking at their programs trying to figure out who the eight horse was. And uh, I imagine it was something like that with Rich Strike because even the announcer, Larry Comas, didn't really pick him up until about the last 100 yards coming down to the wire, and everybody was focused on Epicenter and Zandon, and it was just, you know, you, first off, when I, when I last saw the horse, he was 99-1, to 1, which, to be honest with you, 80-1 to 1 is kind of an underlay because, um, the biggest surprise might be that he only paid 80 to one. He probably should have been 180 to one. The way the horse and the jockey were able to move through the field, when you get that great aerial shot and you saw that, I, I, I never even seen that. I mean, he, he comes from the worst starting position that you possibly can, gets jumbled up in the middle, and he yet some, finds a way to just bob and weave through and gets on the rail. How... Just how excellent was that, not only for the horse, but also for the jockey? It was incredible. I mean, just an incredible ride by Sonny Leone, and he did everything right. At at, at any point, if he gets his momentum stopped or broke or he has to um, break stride, he loses. I mean, he's not going to win the race. And the way he went around Messier at the rail, just, I mean, the horse is obviously very athletic, and he was there for him. And, you know, the race kind of fell, fell into his hands, to be honest with you. I mean, they ran so fast up front. It was one of the fastest paces up front in, in Kentucky Derby history. But, look, I, I don't think it was a fluke. I mean, the horse came home and I think it was 23 and change or something like that, maybe 24. He came home at a very fast time. The last quarter was supremely fast. Um, it would have matched up with a lot of, you know, the horses that you know you've heard of in the past that won derbies. Um, so I think the race, I don't think it really was a fluke going back to look at it, just the way the race played out and the, the race shape just fell right into his hands and he was the last one doing the running. I have never seen a horse – watching it live and my wife and I and our daughter all watched it and I was like and they're like oh look at that and I was like there's this horse coming up on the rail and then there it just was <laughs> and when it got up next to epicenter the horse actually kind of tilted its head like talking smack like looking at epicenter going <laughs> uh, you know you're about to lose right I've never seen yeah. that before he it, that horse was so <laughs> fired up man he was. And, look, he came back. When he was coming back, he was trying to take take out the exercise. Right? He was trying to take yes. out the, uh, the outrider, trying to bite him leg, and he was still fired up. Oh, man. He, he, took, a, he took a bite out of the, uh, out, of the po- out of the pony and the, um, the outrider coming back to the winter circle. So, yeah, he must be a, he must be a little, little of a headstrong horse for sure. But um, it was incredible, just a, a, just a wacky result to a, um, to a Kentucky Derby for sure. We're talking with Chad Schechnader of the Fairgrounds Racing Podcast. He joins us here on RP3 and Company. All right, so he they make the decision to not run in the Preakness. And they, they were going to run in the Preakness because they weren't going to get into the Derby. 
So that's a big surprise, and I know it's a big, a big letdown. And right now, correct me if I'm wrong, we only have four of the 20 horses from the Derby that are actually riding in the Preakness. How does that affect how you predict and how you look and how you bet on the Preakness this Saturday? Well, I mean, you don't, you don't worry about him not being there. I think it's bad for horse racing, though, to be honest, which, I mean, usually the Derby winners go to the Preakness unless they're hurt or, um, you know, whatever. This is the first time a horse really isn't hurt. He basically came out and said that they just don't like the race shape. They don't like uh, the track at Pimlico. It doesn't fit his style. I, I, I don't know. I, I, I have a hard time believing. I mean, if you're a sportsman and you're a fan of the game, you want to see the Derby winner come back in the Preakness. It's just good for the game. And if he, the horse is doing fine, and, you know, you don't worry about the track beating you. It just all seems kind of fishy to me. I don't think it's good for the game. Um, I wish he was running because I think he's he's kind of be the takeout equalizer, to be honest with you. I mean, the horse, the, if he runs again, I'll be I'll be a little shocked. If he, I don't know if he's going to run again this year or he's going to run one of these races, but it just seems a little weird that he's skipping the Preakness for a, a, a race like the Belmont where I think he's going to be up against it up in New York. But the horse... Obviously, his two best races in his career came at Churchill. He trains over Churchill. I don't know if he can win away from Churchill, to be honest with you, but I'd like to see him run the Preakness just for, I mean, yeah, i got to have the Kentucky Derby winner in the Preakness. And it's it's disappointing from that fact. But, yeah, simplification, Epicenter, and um, Happy Jack all coming back. And then you have Secret Oath, who won the Oaks, is back in this field. And you have a really good allowance winner from Derby Day named Creative Minister, who's, uh, who really hasn't done much wrong. It's kind of the wild card in the race. So you just go on, you know, no rich strike. Hey, look, they're still going to run the race whether he's there or not. And um, they're going to run it on Saturday. And, look, the weather is going to be a part of it, too. It's supposed to be record highs, I think, up there, 94, 95 degrees, they're saying. So a lot of these horses, they haven't been in this kind of heat yet. And, um, you know, a lot of them winter down in the south. But I think weather could play a little bit of a factor because it's going to be hot up there tomorrow. Secret Oath is coming off winning the Kentucky Oaks. And the Phillies trying to become just the seventh Philly to win the Preakness, but history's kind of against her, isn't it? And it's only a couple weeks since winning the Oaks, and that's usually an, an issue for Phillies. Uh, do you like Secret Oath at all? I'm a, I tend to be a little against her in this spot. I think she just got a perfect trip in the Oaks last time. I mean, she did everything right. She got a great ride by Saez. Um, she tripped out. You're supposed to bet against horses that have it that kind of way the last time out. Um, I can tell you that she's very talented. It, she's not really Rachel Alexander who won this race um, as a Philly in 2009 off of dominating win the Oaks. And to be honest with you, I don't think she's a Swiss skydiver either who actually won this race in 2019 under Lafayette rider Robbie Alvarado. He uh, piloted uh, Swiss skydiver. So Secret Rose has a chance. And the reason why I give her a little bit of a shot is I think the race shapes up perfect for her. I mean, there's a lot of speed around her. They're going to go pretty quick up front, probably not as fast as the Derby. But they're going to go fast up front, which suits her coming from behind style. If the race didn't suit her style, it'd be completely against her. I will have Sabres with her, but she's not going to be, you know, the A's for me in that race. Uh, I use her underneath. Epicenter is the betting favorite. Epicenter was also the betting favorite for the Derby. It's you know, The horse is the Louisiana Derby winner. Do you like Epicenter to win and give me one horse – that is kind of under the radar that you like that could make a surprise showing? I do like Epicenter. I mean, this is the race he's supposed to win. Coming, I mean, the only question is he's coming back, you know, in two weeks like a couple other ones are. But, um, you know, Epicenter's supposed to win this race. He's going to trip out all the speed to his inside. He couldn't ask for a better draw. Um, Steve Asmussen seems to think he hasn't lost any weight. He's coming to the, into this race good. 
Um, I, I mean, it's his race to lose. There's no doubt about it. Um, I think he, if he picks off one of these Triple Crown races, this will be it. You know, it's the mile of 316, which is the same distance he won the Louisiana Derby. I think these horses will have a tough time catching him in the stretch. Look, he's been caught twice in the stretch. One was the long stretch at the fairgrounds. He got nipped on the wire in the Lacombe and the Derby this past, this past uh, you know, his last race. Real long stretch at Churchill. And, I mean, he put away Zandon, and, and that was just – it was very impressive to me when he put away Zandon, who's a, who's a closer like that, a very talented closer, and he put him away only to get nailed by Rich Strike. So he runs his race. He's definitely the one to beat, but he'll be my guess. He's six to five more in line. He'll be three to five, maybe four to five at, at post time, but um, deservingly so. All right. Another horse, uh, you, another one. On, uh, you know, we were big on simplification. You asked me this question a couple of weeks ago, and I love simplification. Ended up running fourth. And, I mean, if it runs epicenters and on simplification, I mean, the wife and I might be in Cancun right now talking to you, to be honest with you. Um, you know, that, that had all those three horses, and that would have been, a, that been huge. But, you know, looking at it, I, I think a really horse that's kind of off the radar is Happy Jack. You know what? you got to ask yourself this question. Happy Jack comes out of the Derby. He was 14th. They put blinkers on him, and Doug O'Neill somehow lures Tyler Gaffleone up here to ride. Tyler Gaffleone, the leading rider, leading rider the last couple of meets at Churchill, and um, he's riding another one for Doug O'Neill, too, a couple races earlier, um, B-Doc, who's named after Brian Dawkins, the Hall of Fame safety for the Eagles. He's riding B-Doc in the, in the, in the Sir Barton. But Doug, Doug O'Neill has won this race a couple times, too. And I, you just got to wonder trainer intent here, right? I mean, why is he taking Happy Jack off the 14th place finish in the Derby, running him into Preakness? This horse must be doing really good. They put in blinkers on him, so I went back and watched the Derby, and he ran a sneaky good race. He really did. He was he, he was coming from out of it, but he ran into some trouble um, getting away from the gate. He's going to be he's going to be 30 to one in this race. I'm going to play around with him underneath, um, just because there's just not a lot in here to be honest with you under under epicenter. You have all the speed up front. It could fall apart again like it did in the Derby, and I think a horse that could benefit from that is Happy Jack. And, the, you know, Rafael Bejarano rode him last time. This is a jockey upgrade. You go from Bejarano to Tyler Gaffleon, I think you got um you got some makings here. Maybe he's the long shot this time. That, that I don't know if he wins it, but he could hit the board at a really big number. Chad, appreciate you, Tom. As always, brother, I'm up against the break. Enjoy the Preakness, and hopefully uh, you'll do fairly well for yourself, and that way you can take that vacation with the wife and family. <laughs> appreciate RP3. Let's talk for the Belmont, man. Will do, brother. Will do. we got to take a timeout. Our final one of today's show. When we return, Game Changer of the Week phone call. and get you set up for Kevin Foot and Footnotes. It's all next right here on the game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. Oh, I want to take a moment to thank our guests for helping us close out the week here on RP3 and Company. I want to thank James Yasko from the Lima Time Time Podcast, Nick Fond, no semi-pro gambler, and our friend Chad Schneck-Snyder from the Fairgrounds Podcast. But right now, it's time for us to unveil the phone call that rose above everyone else. We had a slew of them this week. Here is our Game Changer of the Week. Here is this week's RP3 and Company Game Changer. But enough of the weekend that was. Let's head out to the hotline. Welcome on, James, to the show. James, good morning to you, brother. Thank you for patiently waiting, my friend. What's on your mind, bud? Hey, man, I want to talk about the Saints um, and get your take on a couple things. By all means, bud. I, 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 never, I, I don't remember the last time I was this excited for a Saints season. And, and I'm an ultimate, you know, Saints homer. I love them. Been going to the games 
I went as a baby, and I didn't even know I went for the first season with my mom and dad. But I'm excited. Everything they've done this year has been methodical. It's been the right choice. The way they're building this, I love it. It's setting up from, you know, all the quarterbacks from the NFC going to the AFC. Our division, I think, is going to be weak with weak coaches, new coaches. I think father time, you know, in the shape of uh, – an angry Saints defensive end in a, a 94 uniform is going to catch up to Tom Brady. Um, but I'm mad about something. And you haven't touched on it. I don't know. I'm, I'm sure you will. But Drew Brees, after taking his year and doing his best impersonation of a, you know, cigar store wooden Indian statue on TV and get fired, is dropping hints like he's going to come back and play. I think that's selfish. I think that's disrespectful. And I think we need to trade Peyton to Dallas and their horrible general manager for a couple number one draft picks, and Dallas can have Drew and Sean, and we'll Ooh. kick them out of the playoffs if they're lucky enough to make it. James with the fire on a Monday, bud. Appreciate the phone call, brother. Someone is an early front runner for the game changer of the week. My man came with the fire. That was this week's RP3 and Company Game Changer of the Week. Shout out to James for being the game changer of the week. Poll question of the day. PGA Championship underway, second round action. We asked you, who would you rather play a round of golf with? 55% of you voted John Daly, 38% say Tiger Woods, and 7% of you say Phil Mickelson. Thanks to all, all who voted on the poll question of the day and all who commented as well. That's going to do it for us. For the producer extraordinaire, Hannah Five Names, I'm Raymond Parsa Third, better known as RP3. We'll do it all again Monday 6 to 9. But until then, be safe out there. Be kind to one another. Kevin Foote and Footnotes is up next right here on The Game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station.